Welcome back to Divorce Diaries Show Podcast. I'm Michelle Trina, the creator of Divorce Diaries, and this is part two of my interview with Noam Rauscher, the one and only divorced rabbi. Guys, this is funny, this is serious, and I also may be converting to Judaism for him because he's single and there may be a chance. I am totally kidding. Find out if I'm kidding. Keep listening. Okay, we are back. So Let me just pick up where I left off. Yeah, so Noam, you were saying that any real feelings, someone that you fall for after divorce, it always hurts harder. Yeah, I mean, I think it hurts harder because I look, I think there are plenty of people who are going to go through divorce and say something like, I'm never getting married again. Totally right. respect that. I think there are a lot of us that feel innately that um, being with someone, being with one person, right, having a really dedicated and committed relationship in which you can go through life with them and not feel alone ultimately which is the larger part of it right is really important whether we can articulate it or not i know that's true for me i know that as a rabbi i've sat at the bedsides of any number of people as they've passed from this world to the next and they always have a loved one beside them and it's not friends right sure some of them are siblings or family members right but they're you know for the most part if that other person is around it's someone that they've married someone that they've had a really deep committed relationship with and it could be from a second marriage as well there have been plenty of those too uh, but, and that was, and, and admittedly, one of those uh, that I did was really the toughest because these are two people who found each other after their first marriages had failed and had learned a lot and really come to really love each other and really valued the relationship that they had with each other. And so it was so difficult to see them say goodbye to each other in that way. But nonetheless, I think, you know, there's an innate part of all of us that wants a deeper connection with someone to go through life with and to not feel alone and to really have a person, right? A lobster, as they say. Um, you know, and I think when you sense that with someone else, you know, that means something, it really does. It yes. means something. And so it's difficult when post-divorce, you know, you you date a lot of people. And again, some of them are casual. Some of them are just, you know, or maybe shorter relationships that don't work out. But when you find someone who you feel like you really have a connection with, it's kind of like, well, how many more people in the world are there that, that are going to provide that? Right. And especially when you're pool, right, you get into your 40s or so and post-divorce, you start realizing what are the things that you want? You're going to settle for far less. Right. So, you know, your pool of who you're going to date and spend your time with gets smaller and smaller. Finding those people who really check those boxes and then it not working out. That's really tough. That's happened to me a couple of times. Right. I and it's just kind of like, when am I really going to find that person who wants to be with me as well? Oh, I totally, after the, that guy, I was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to just be alone because I, right. I looked at it like there's something I'm definitely doing with being a track. I mean, I'm also reactive and there's some things that I should have just waited. You reactive? Nah. So what I think hurt the most was he said, one of the things is he sent a video, sent two videos of him unboxing a gift I sent him thing. I think I told you this. And he was talking about how much he didn't want to be with me, about how much wow. he didn't want to be my friend. What, While he I, was unboxing these videos? What's he saying? Like, this girl sent me these videos and I don't want said, these Michelle, boxes and so... I don't really want to be with her and I'd no, rather he just was... be your friend, but I'm going to open these boxes anyway. Well, I could show them to you. They were not mean at first when you watched them. And then when, like, I showed my uh, director and he was like, this guy's a what the fuck? And then at the time I thanked him for it because I thought he was coming from a good place. He also did a podcast episode about the first woman since his divorce he had sex with, which was me. And he had said at the very end, how 
how I'm special. I'm special, even though I don't want to be in a Wait, relationship. talked about having sex with you on a podcast? Yeah, I'll send you the link. What? <laughs> I was really depressed from the whole situation. So what happened was I want, so okay. where, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. But the main thing was what I felt when I was in person with him. And before that, when we were just friends in, in talking every night about, about work, about life, I did feel that connection. I, I thought at one point, my father who has passed sent him. That is how convinced I was. And then when I met him in person, like the first day we spent together, I was like, this is like real, really feels right. Yeah. And then I just was like, I mean, I'm going to start crying just thinking about it because it literally was like a sucker punch when he like said to me, no, I don't feel the same way towards you on the phone. And he first said it. And I was like, what? I just, right. it was a sucker punch. It hurt. And then I hadn't let go for a long time. I mean, it took months and I would wake up, I would cry over a guy I wasn't even Ooh. dating. So that's rough. Yeah. So my question to you is with that kind of thing. And then with like, like I talked about with even feeling like on the outskirts as a parent or as a, in the divorce community, I've had a lot of positive, like we met and other people I've met through like, like divorce attorneys, divorce coaches, divorce journalists. I mean, amazing people. It's like, there's so many positive things around you, but the usually I know it's a human trait that one negative thing will stick out. And I felt slighted by this divorce group last year that they wouldn't let me post a flyer. They wouldn't, they didn't really want to collaborate after I asked. They canceled on a, a virtual show I spent time or a virtual event I spent time working on. I got so aggravated. I'm still so aggravated about it that anytime I see a glimpse of it on social media, I want to squeeze something really hard. I'm going to be very nice about it, but it, it makes me, it works. not to read that as a sexual innuendo, but okay. Well, I don't want to say punch my fist through wall because that makes me sound aggressive, but yeah, <laughs> I basically want to take, yeah, I miss that. I need to go back to boxing. So anyway, yeah. what do you, what would you say in, in a spiritual sense? How can I physically let it go? Because I emotionally can't. I, that's the hardest thing for me. Wait, what are we letting go? The guy or the, exper- or the experience of the group? Any negative place where I feel like I've been wronged and I'm hurt. Especially with men and especially within my career where I feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. This is a reminder that I'm just not good enough for this person or this group. Look, I think... Uh... Part of this, I think part of the reason why we hang on to these things is because we hope that there's some sense of justice in the world or some sense of, you know, right, rightness, right, or righteousness that, that like someone's going to apologize or someone's going to do the right thing. And the fact is that sometimes that just doesn't happen, right? You could hope for something like that, but it just doesn't happen. Uh, and Unless in all honesty, them. what? Unless you find them at their house. <laughs> You stalk them so much that you just spend time at their house. Yeah. Okay. Then there's that, right? That might help kind of find closure for yourself when you throw a rock through their window. Or Starbucks. (laughs) Or (laughs) what's that, homeboy? A more healthy thing to do might be to think about how much space they're taking up in your head and how much you're allowing them to live rent free. Right. I mean, that ultimately I think what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness isn't necessarily saying what you did was right, right? Forgiveness is not about saying that like what you did was okay. Forgiveness is about not being angry anymore because it's not worth your time and it's not worth your energy. So you have to think about how much space this person is taking up in your head and living rent-free in that way. 
Yeah. Right? You shouldn't let anyone do that. Don't let anyone let anyone live rent free in your head. If there's someone that matters to you, then yeah, I think honest, you know, and straightforward conversations are really good because at least then you can say your piece and hopefully get something back in return. And those are really truthful moments because, you know, if you can, you know, address someone that directly, then hopefully they'll reciprocate. And if they can't, then you really learn something about them or a group of people, whatever it is. Um, but outside of that, right, if those people aren't worth your time or with your energy, you just do have to let it go. You have to stop let, letting them live rent-free in your head. Yeah, I've, I've evicted them. But then sometimes they try to come back in and I'm like, you can have some iced tea in the living room. And then I got pissed. So, but why do you do that though? Why do you allow them to have iced tea? Why don't you just say, sorry, you're not coming in. I, when like, I, these are what we call boundaries. I think that it's an, I think in all honesty, it's an OCD anxiety thing for me. That's a pattern. It's a habit. And I mean, uh, what they like, you want their attention. Or, or no, it, it's in my head. Like I'll fixate in my head about it. Like I won't go reaching out to the person, but like with the guy thing, I haven't, I haven't talked, touched this, touch, <laughs> haven't touched. <laughs> I haven't. Oh, Trina, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble, I, girl. I haven't touched or this situation in a couple of months, but I stupidly reached out to him in Ohio in June and was like, I'm going to be in, I was supposed to be in LA in July. By the way, I'm coming to LA now. Uh-oh. Well, okay. you know what? It's not confirmed yet. Uh, hold your tongue. November 6th is San Diego, but possibly November 5th is LA. It's my birthday, November 6th. Whatever. I know. You told me. Yes. Oh, so you're going to be partying for your birthday. It's going to be my birthday weekend, too, supposedly, because my birthday is two weeks before that, so I'm celebrating all month long. Okay. <laughs> These are my life choices. <laughs> so letting it, physically letting it go is hard because the, the thought creeps into my head and that's when that's what I've been trying to work on because what, when I reached out to him in June and I said hey I'm going to be in LA do you think we could grab a cup of coffee or, or talk on a bench or something <laughs> talk on a bench talk on a bench I suggested it because I wanted to let this go I wanted to say to him yeah. in person, why the fuck did you treat me the way you did in the previous months he did something fucked up with a producer it's a whole thing so he wrote me back and said, I am in a relationship, which mm -hmm. I think he did on purpose. Just, I didn't, I don't care about the relationship. I just wanted to say what, what I've been trying to say to him in person. Yeah. He's refusing to talk to me. He said, I'm in a relationship. I have nothing against you or a past friendship, but I would like to uh, keep my distance. And he wrote, I wish you nothing. He like, well, I wish you best, the well wishes, whatever. Sure. And he wrote my name wrong. He wrote <laughs> Michelle with two L's. So, as opposed to one, yeah, it's one out. Oh, such a such a big offense. Because he knows that because and and I know that he did it on purpose. So I mean I don't know that for sure, but I purposely wrote back Michelle one L asterisk. See, this is why I actually like my men's group a lot because we talk about you know there's a part during our men's group where we talk about um, do you feel a charge. Right. There's a moment where we take a, a sincere opportunity to look into the eyes of another person, to look into the eyes of every other man in the group. And generally look into the eyes of someone else is not a very easy thing to do. And particularly when it comes to men, that's a sign of aggression. Right. When you're really staring someone down. Um, but the larger uh, point of it all is to see if you feel a charge. 
right? If someone in the group is holding some energy or you're holding some energy towards that person in the group for whatever reason, and it's preventing you from actually moving forward and doing something, you're holding on to it, you need to let it go. Um, and it could be because of that specific individual, or it could be because that person reminds you of someone else. I remember um, back in 2019, the summer of 2019, it was Father's Day weekend. I just had an argument with my young son. I wasn't happy about it. I was going away from the weekend, but I started out going, I started going away for the weekend by going to my men's group. And there was a guy at the men's group who looked exactly like my father at a very young age. Now, I mean, just, it was like uncanny in terms of like build and facial hair and glasses and, and hair on his head. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. And I needed to do a clearing because I felt really charged. I couldn't get through the meeting without thinking like this guy's my dad. Right. And he was bringing up all this just negative stuff. And my dad's a good guy, but I had like leftover childhood wounds from it. And I needed to do a clearing as a result or else I wasn't going to be able to focus. And I was able to do the clearing with that guy and not actually needed to do it with my dad. And I had a conversation later on with my dad about it. But nonetheless, sometimes you don't get a chance to have this clearing with this other person, with this other person, right? You don't get to have the closure, but you can do it with someone else who reminds you of that person or a trusted individual. And in that moment, you really take an opportunity to look at your, the data, right? The facts of what's gone into it, right? And then the emotions behind it. And then also the judgments that you have, right? And you give voice to all those things. But then what you also do is you turn it around, right? It's supposed to be that like the person you're talking to, whether it's the actual person or the person that they represent, they have a shield up, right? So like, if it's not really the person, right? And even if it is really the person, you're not like directly hitting them with stuff. Like might there might be something that's worthwhile for them to think about because there might be something true that they did, but all the more so you have to think about what you're bringing to the scenario, right? And what it is about you that's preventing you from really letting go. Because after you've gotten out all that data and the thoughts and the feelings and the judgments involved, you turn it around and it's supposed to be a mirror, right? And so you ask yourself, what have been the times that you've been, whatever it is, judgmental of someone else, or you've been dismissive of someone else, or you've been smug to someone else, whatever it is, right? Because you're supposed to have compassion for that other person. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have compassion for this other guy, right? right? But at the same time, right, it is about finding a way to really let go of it. And so having a vessel for me in the men's group of, right, really kind of saying like, I'm going to work through this stuff, right? And it doesn't have to be directly with that person, because this is really all about me. I can't control that other person. I control me and I can end up letting go from letting go with it of or of it, right, as best I possibly can just by working through it. Um, And so there are opportunities for it, but it doesn't sound like you're really taking the opportunity to do that with anyone but these people, which is why you're holding on to it. Well, I did. You're probably going to be like, oh, you're a lost cause. I have done hypnotherapy, Reiki, and uh, I've done hit Reiki a couple of times. Yeah, I did the hypnotherapy in December to help me with it. It did help a little bit. And then I also recently, what I, what I did start doing was I, I was reading a book. I just feel like when I it finally clicked, even though it still kind of comes back a little bit, was when it was like you this is holding you back from your career like yeah. i look back at my patterning i'm like this all is holding you back so i'm trying but i i don't i don't think you're a lost cause but i think you're seeking um i mean look hypnotherapy could be really important i don't want to dismiss that right i don't want to dismiss reiki either but there could be other things that you could do that could be equally useful like maybe you need the actual physical act of letting go judaism has two of those good opportunities right let me ask you a question. Does the idea of 
throwing breadcrumbs into a, a, a moving body of water sound interesting to you? Or does the idea of burning things sound interesting to you? Burning. You've got that crazy Jersey look in your eyes that says burning is really well, kind of because, more intriguing. Because it's, I'm such a physical person. Breadcrumbs is fine, but um, I need something that feels more powerful. Visceral, visceral, right. yeah. Visceral, right. So visceral. like, every, visceral? Visceral. 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 I'm not going to pronounce your last name again because <laughs> <laughs> it's not my. No, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying again how I can. I know. Like I did a so visceral. Class. So, so here's what I, here's what I would suggest to you. The idea of burning something comes from Passover, right? right? You're supposed to clean out your house from all the bread related stuff, particularly the crumbs, and then you burn it the day of Passover. And it's like that. All the other remainders that you haven't found, you treat them as dust of the earth. Like they don't matter. They're just going to blow away. But so here's what I think might be really worthwhile. What if you um, took a moment of just real introspection, do whatever it is, right? Do whatever you need to do. Put yourself in a silent room, right? Maybe you, your kids are in another place altogether, right? You have, you know, if you need to get a little high in order to like really kind of go inward and, and think about those things, right? You, you don't do that clearly. Um, <laughs> Tell, I would make marijuana nervous. Right, that's... <laughs> probably would you're probably the worst person to get high with um i've never my... been high sorry go ahead no you've just been drunk a lot um <laughs> I did not drink a lot. that night i messaged you i was tired and had one glass <laughs> <laughs> um ironically so, i do do, drug whatever, do whatever you need to do to like look inward right and to really be honest with yourself like what are the things that you're really holding on to and maybe it's because you think he's attractive maybe it's because he touched you in a certain way maybe because you know you really thought that there was going to be a, a good relationship but then write them down right yeah. put them on all like these little individual notes and okay. then the next day find a safe way to burn them right okay. really burn them right and get them out of your system and maybe offer yourself a little bit of meditation or prayer which is to say that like right? I've done as best as I could, which is to search my inner soul, right? The inner depths of my soul to really figure out what it is that's causing me to hold on to this person and these thoughts and these feelings, right? But now I don't want them anymore. So now I burn them, right? And if there's anything left over that I haven't seen and all my introspection and all my cleaning out, if there's anything that I haven't seen that I'm just going to consider as dust of the earth. It's not going to matter, right? And that might be as visceral as you need to really move past it. All right. So everybody, I'm going to do this this week. So I, I have some time this weekend. I can, I, during Labor Day, I'm going to do it. Because I, I have done something similar when I dated the second guy that I was really in love with post-divorce. My um, my cousin bought me this. Hang on. One of my cousins. Uh oh Hey, now. Yeah. I love the cousins. <laughs> it was my cousin. Okay, so... He bought me these like, are big matches and this, I still have this candle. It's Oh, look at that. Oh, That's impressive. Fraser, yeah. And like the matches are like big. So like, like, look at that. You just, like, okay. So I'm definitely going to do it. Um, yeah, I hope for the best for that. I, I do just, it's better than it was. And I just don't want it like, in the future. I get nervous of it happening again because it, it has happened repeatedly in the last seven years. Not, I, I haven't had a lot of relationships. I've just fallen for like at least three, those three guys that feel like I get stuck in a pattern and then I can't get out of it. And then it affects my job. 
affects my career as a comedian. I get held back. You mean the ca- catching feelings for somebody you feel like you could have something real with. Right. But, but there were red flags. There's red flags all over the place and I'm decorating for Christmas with it. But that said, have you mm-hmm. ever, okay. So post-divorce and dating, I don't know how, how long have you been divorced? Over three years now. Okay. So now have you been in a relationship with somebody since your ex-wife and, or have you felt like great with somebody and it worked out? Like, have you had trauma or you're like, oh, it's just dating. What do you mean by trauma? Like I've had trauma where I thought I was going to be with these guys. And then I just don't want to be with anybody for like a year. Yeah. I mean, I certainly in the early stages of divorce, I wasn't ready for a relationship. Um, I didn't feel it at all really for anyone. It was really just about sex and it was just about going out there and having fun. And I was very honest about that with the women that I met. Um, you know, and that was a good time. And then it came to a point where that got really tiring and I started catching feelings, right. For women that I had met and enjoyed my time with and thought that I could have something more with. And there was a woman or two in which, you know, I connected with them so well that I wanted something more and it just didn't work out. Um, and then eventually I did meet a woman or two in which, you know, it did work out and we dated for a little bit and, you know, still at the end, you know, it just ended up being something that wasn't going to go the distance, right? That, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen again with them, right? But at least at that time, it wasn't anything that I could really commit to any longer. And so I broke it off. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been divorced seven years and the biggest relationship I was in was with a married man. Oh. I know it's horrible. Um, bit bad decision. It was on and off for two years. Oh, a year and a half. A year and a half? Yeah, a year and a half. And it wasn't it was horrible because I wasted so much time, but I really fell in love. I felt like we were in love. He, you know, I believed everything like an idiot. And even though I really subconsciously knew there was more. And I look at that and I was like, oh, and then I always just feel like I fall into a weird pattern again with a man who's not available. Right. So I always think, does the guy go on a date with me and like already know Michelle's in a category? Cause like I tend to go out for some reason. I've gone out with a lot of guys who don't have kids, which yeah. is weird because I really want a, a guy who loves kids. It's not that they don't yeah. love kids, but um, like I, this producer guy was like, you already said he's like, you already have your life. You already have your daughter and everything. And I was like, well, your ex-wife had a daughter. So I remember thinking like, did he, when I went out to LA was in his motion, in his in mind, right? <clears throat> he already had me in the, she's just fuckable list. Like the other guy, he's in Jersey. She's just a fuck, she's just a right. fuckable list. That's right. what made me feel like, well, what the fuck? And then the other thing was like, is my, I was like, is something wrong with my vagina? Because I'm not trying to be gross, but because no, because I'm just like, well, I've had a baby. I don't know. Is there something wrong? I don't know what's going on. Like you start going to all these different places. Like what's not keeping what's them? What's wrong with me? Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with me? So now I'm going to put you real quick. I know we've been going for a while, but that's an open-ended thing. Like I just keep thinking like, what the fuck? Let me ask you a question. If I, so as a woman, let's say you, not me, but you met a woman who lives in Missouri. Yeah. Come, she's coming to LA. Yeah. He has a kid. So maybe a pseudo Michelle, right? Okay. But are you in your brain thinking automatically she's just a fuckable friend because she lives far away or because she already has a kid? Because I mean, look, at I, mean look I think, I look, I think if I'm being honest, yeah. I mean, I think there are times where you think like, yeah, it's this person that I, just someone I'm going to sleep with. 
right? right. Or is this something that's going to develop into more? Um, and I think I always hope real... that it develops into more and the guy doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be careful about those things. And I think you have to be realistic about those things. Um, uh, you know, I met a really wonderful woman, you know, I, I met her, um, through an app at one point and we finally connected in person. Um, and it was really great being around her and spending time with her and feeling connected to her. Um, but ultimately it was just, just too much distance there, right? I need someone who's going to be around. I need someone who lives in state. And there were a couple other things that just weren't going to work out in that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think there's part of, if I'm being honest, sure, there's always part of us that thinks like, well, is this just about sex or is this about something more? And I think if you realize that there are emotions involved, then you have to be a little bit more mature about that. You have to realize that sex also means emotional connection for some other people and you don't want to hurt them in that way, right? And I don't want to hurt anyone involved, right? For as much as I might want to sleep with them, right? If I know that emotions are going to get in the way of it, then there's no point in really pursuing it. Um, because frankly, I'm also at a stage where, right, sex does mean more to me than just kind of like that, you know, passionate encounter, right? And I think if I met someone who also was just really into it for sex, that might be a different thing altogether. But if I knew that person well enough to know that sex meant something more, right, and I wasn't capable of really reciprocating what was more, right. then I wouldn't put any effort into oh. it. And I would try to back away because I wouldn't want to hurt them. And I think if you're mature enough to realize that, then that's what you do. So that mindset is what I felt like when I went out to LA with him, yeah. I at least thought, but then we were all both caught up in the moment. It was really nice, which is why I was like, well, and then when I went on this other day, I was like, I can't take this. Like I, why are men just looking at me like this is a fuckable thing. She's going to either put me in her show or that in my brain, that's what they're doing. And it's like, it's exhausting. So, so like I tried going on an app and then I deleted it 24 well, hours. Forget about what they think though. I mean, like, I get what you're saying. Like you could, you could spend all your time being neurotic about what do other people think of me? Right. And what do they right. think of me when they see me? The real question is, what do you want, Michelle? Oh. Right. So like, if you, like, if you meet a guy and he's not demonstrating, you know, any of the basic things that would really be important to you, right. About having a connection with you beyond sex, then he's not worth your time. And I think the difficult thing about like for human beings is that there are times, sometimes we really just want touch and we really want sex. Right. And so like, you know, thinking past that, right. And being mature enough to be like, I'm not going to get sex now, even though it's something that I want because I, yeah. and I'm not going to get it because it's not going to lead to anything more. That's a decision you need to make. Otherwise, I don't know what you have to complain about. No. And I agree. That's why I didn't have my friend come in. And I also, I don't yeah. think the producer was the last guy that I was like, well, I want to sleep with him because there's an emotional connection. He's, he's actually an AD. So he's a producer in an AD. And I, I, he had taken there's an emotional connection for you. It doesn't sound like there's an emotional connection for him. But I thought there was. Like, it felt like there yeah. was. Yeah, so and that's, that's really misleading. That is so fucked up that it made me so fucking feel depressed. So with that said, I am going to close my legs to married men. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Smart remember, move. Remember that from Real Housewives of Atlanta? Where Nene no, was- I don't watch that show. <laughs> what? <laughs> Too busy studying ancient texts to focus on the real housewives of Atlanta. That's going to be the promo clip. <laughs> Please do. Nene Links was Nene Link. Nene Links had said to Kim Zolciak, "Close your legs to married man. Close your legs to married man." So that's where I got the tag. I. That's deep sage advice. 
I know. I mean, the, the, the cop that I slept with that was in, I was in a relationship with years ago. I only slept with him because there was still emotional connection. I knew it was easy Yeah. and he would come over and yeah. I could get that physical feeling with him. But then when, when it did happen, it was taking a long time for me because what is exciting about sex is the emotional connection. And it was like taking, he just wanted to, he's like, play with yourself before I get there. I'm like, what? Yeah. Why? So you'd be ready to go? You yeah. Showed up? And I was like, cops always like to enter a scene when it's already going, right? Anything <laughs> that's like nice and calm, right? There's got to be something where you could potentially throw cuffs on or, or tell them to you know, like chill and he, out. Yeah. And, and he was like, the worst part was that when he finished, he we were talking for a while, catching up, and then he was like getting ready to leave. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, oh my God, I got stuff to do. I said, like, you can't leave until I finish. And he's like, <laughs> and, and he's like, I thought I, I thought I just did that. And I was like, Ugh. oh my. It wasn't that it was bad, it's just he had no clue. And it was like, that doesn't make it so like it, it's just a hold off hold off period. All right. So That's I'm not gonna do the improv. I don't know if we'll have to, we won't have time for the improv, but what is your okay, so 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 as a, these are other things I think off the top of my head. Are, are you, as a rabbi, are you allowed to date? I'm not putting myself out there for you, just so you know. I appreciate that. Thank you. But are you allowed to date, the going to the joke, joke about my mom, are you allowed to date someone that's not Jewish? I mean, in theory, yes. Would your community frown upon it? Probably. That being said, we all make our own individual decisions. Would really you do. date a... a, a would you, would you, are you, are you in your brain? Like I'm looking for a Latin guy because I love Latin guys. Like that used to be my mindset, right? Now I'm just like, dude, just be know where my clit is because this shit's getting old. Know where my clit is and be in therapy. Those should be like the two basic. <laughs> and, <right? laughs> and please do not reference your mother on our dates. <laughs> or in the middle of sex where you're looking <laughs> for my clit. Wait, so, okay, so is that something where you make sure you, you give a lens that it's not, it's got to be something in my faith? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just curious. Well, look, I mean, I think, the, I think the idea is that, like, you date someone within your community, your culture, your faith, because there's a certain familiarity to it, yeah. right? Um, I think one of the things that I've learned from my divorce is that, like, being married to someone Jewish doesn't necessarily mean that, like, it's going to be a marriage that's going to last. Right. So you need to find someone who can really see you for who you are and love you for who you are, regardless of all those things. And I don't think that it's anything to do with having the same faith background, having the same faith background might mean that like, there are plenty of other shared opportunities, but if love is really there, then you can create those together. Yeah. Um, you know, regardless of what faith says, um, you know, that being said, meeting Jewish women certainly is enjoyable. Finding the right Jewish woman, right, in the pool, right, then which I'm looking for is is, is difficult. It really is. It's what difficult. So I think it's difficult. And I don't really pool. Like, I don't go skimming. But I just think it's difficult for me. I'm like, I can't find no man that got this shit together. But then again, they might be looking at me like, bitch, you ain't got your shit together. So, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just feel like it's, for me, it's like the loyalty thing. So... What's something, uh, what, so I think I shared with you a funny date thing on my, on my episode on your podcast. What is the worst, but funniest date you've ever had? Or wait, like the stuff in it sticks out. Like I, um, like, I mean, I went on a date with a woman who just drank the entire time. (laughs) I mean, just like a fish. 
Really? And I was, oh man, it was like one thing after another. I mean, it, it was either a beer and then some shots or then, yeah. you know, then we went for sushi and it was, she was having lots of sake. And then it was, I mean, it was just whatever she could get her hands on. I was like, really? You need all that? Um, now, yeah. What do you, did you leave the date, like drive her home? No, I mean, it was still a funny conversation and, you know, uh, you know, I enjoyed the conversation and the sushi was good, but I didn't, you know, ultimately like it just wasn't something I wanted to be around the entire time. So it wasn't going to work. And we were honest about that. Uh, she also wasn't technically divorced. As I found out, she's like, I didn't wear my wedding ring. And I was like, why not? Right. She's like, well, she's like, because it's worth some money and I want to pawn it when I'm done. And I was like, okay, are you even divorced? And she was like, no, not technically. I was like, okay wait so did you meet her are you do you find that you find a lot of luck through the dating apps or just meeting wherever because i don't meet i don't go on the dating apps and they give me anxiety i mean i'm on the dating apps and uh, frankly i hate them um but it is what it is like i'm not meeting people over at whole foods which i think is this grand fantasy that people have um and with work i'd I don't really want to date people I work with, right? I'd rather kind of go to work and do my own thing and then go home. That's all I've done is date people I work with. That's probably the problem. I don't really want to mix those things. Like, especially when I feel like I fail at work, I don't necessarily want that person to see it, but all the more so, like, I don't want to get frustrated with something that that person does. Yeah. I'd I'd, I'd rather those things just be really separate from one another. That's a healthy decision. I I was in that affair thing with a guy I worked with not a great situation we had sex no. in the room. you had sex in the workroom the locker room oh gina that was not during school hours sure it wasn't no it wasn't it wasn't he was a coach was it during the pta meeting no he, he coached it wasn't actually at my school district it was his his coach at another school district and he's like we should have sex in the locker room after the football game i was like ah. i was like okay like i really trust <laughs> you went from eh, okay in like a what matter of three seconds <laughs> I did. I post-divorce car sex. Did you have a lot of it? Post-divorce car sex. I had a lot of car sex because I lived. I think I've only had one episode of car sex post-divorce. Oh, okay. Well, did you have to move? I had to move home with my parents for a while. (laughs) Yeah, that's something, by the way, that's something that women can do with ease than men can't do. Like if you're on the dating scene and you're a woman living at home, it's far more easy to be like acceptable and to go out on dates because it's like, okay, society allows for women to do things like that. Like girls can be taken care of by their parents. Right. But if you're a guy, that's like one of the most unattractive things possible. Yeah. Right. The like, where do yeah. you live? I live at home with my parents. Like that might be honest and sure that I've there's probably been like one or two success stories in the whole haystack of when people are like, oh, I really appreciated your honesty. And who cares if you're yeah. living at home? But that's not going to fly for very long because no, ultimately right. the image is that like you're not capable of taking care of yourself. I mean, my ex-husband moved home with his parents, too, but then he he eventually did get his own place. He, and he's a, he's like. I don't know. He has a girlfriend that lives with him now. So it's like... what is surprising to me is how many women end up dating guys who lie to them from the beginning. Right. And it's about, and it's not even about like major, th- like, sure. Some of it could be about like, Oh, I'm still married or I'm not entirely divorced. But then other things are like about their age or about what they look like. 
right? Or about what yeah. they do for a living. And, and that to me really boggles my mind because it's kind of like, if someone's not capable of just being straight up and honest with you on a dating profile, right? And then like, they wait until you meet in person for the truth really to come out. What does that really say, right? To me, that says that like, they're really just kind of tricking you and roping you in. And is that someone that like, you really want to spend your time with who's not going to be honest and direct with you? I mean, like I'm on dating apps, right? I'm on field, right? Which oh, is it. Oh, what's field, that? Field is a very interesting dating app in which it's sex positive and kind of puts the sexual conversation out there first, right? So like if you have kinks or sexual interests, right? Or let's just say sex in your relationship is really important to you, right? It's not just about having vanilla sex or, right, you realize how important it is to you, then Field is a really good app for that. Um, because the women that I've met on that have been capable of having very kind of open and direct conversations about their sexual interests and proclivities and kinks and things like that. And so it's been good in that way. But it's also interesting to see that like how many people will use fake names, and really won't give like a full picture of themselves or a full profile of themselves because they're afraid that like someone from work is going to see it. And I'm like, wait a second, if someone from work saw it, then you'd know just about as much them, right. As they would have you. Yeah. Right. So like who gives a shit? Right. And all the more so that like, if we're talking about like an environment where you want to be direct and sex positive, right. Then why would you hide anything about why would yourself? You hide it? Right. Especially- and so, Right. And so like, I'll use my first name. I don't give a shit. Right. Like you've seen the pictures of me on there. Right. And so that's what you see is what you get. Right. I'm not about to start hiding things as a result of it. I've got nothing to hide. So who cares? Well, I love that, that you are kind of an open book in that, in that retrospect, because, and I sound so stupid. Maybe I, I don't know if I sound stupid or I hope this doesn't sound ignorant, but like you're a rabbi. So I wouldn't think in the first place that you would be this open about things, but I you think are. that's other people's shit. I mean, even, even you saying it, right. Like you've got this preconceived notion of like, that like rabbis are pristine people. Right. And so, and like, I get that, like that, honestly, that makes sense, but we're also not priests, right? Rabbis are allowed to date. Right. Rabbis are allowed to have sex. Thank right? God and so of priest. course, like Absolutely. the idea of sex comes like in, in, in like in traditional Judaism, the idea of sex comes in the confines of a committed marital relationship. Right. And yet Judaism doesn't say anything about like, well, what if you're single and divorced, right? And still need to meet your own personal needs. Right. The only thing that Judaism would say is that like you need to treat yourself as a holy vessel and you need to treat the other person like a holy vessel and it needs to be consensual and you need to be safe and you don't want to harm anyone in the process, which are all things I think I do. And uh, I think and so the thing but, that bothers me about my Catholic upbringing, like I'm very spiritual and I do I do treasure a lot of things I was brought up with Catholicism, but what I don't I don't get under well is the priest stuff. And I, yeah. I bothered me into my adulthood. And it's, it's not that I haven't met priests that are, you know, giving in kind, but the whole withdrawal from sex and all the stuff, it, it, it really put a bad taste in my mouth where my daughter, my daughter had communion and she didn't go, she's stopped going to the school now because I just don't know what to do. I'm not sure where to go next. And I yeah. do think that it's a healthier way to live. We are not like. There's re- nothing wrong with sex. Sex is a natural part of life, right? right? It means connection. It means feeling alive right? It means offering release, right? Um, it can also be something in which you come to really learn about yourself and become comfortable with yourself and your own body and who you are. And the yeah. problem with religion is, is it, tends, it, it has a tendency to compartmentalize those things and also shame them, which is really unfortunate. 
So we have less than a minute and I don't want to rush the end because this has been such a great conversation. Um, but this was, I mean, we should have like an, a, a part two at some point. I might break this up episode up, but can you tell everybody, Noam, where to find you? You can find me at noamrauscher at gmail.com. You can also find me at noamrauscher on Instagram and Facebook, N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R. And you can check out my podcast, The Jewish Divorce Project, The Human Project, H-U-E-M-A-N, uh, The Human Podcast at Spotify and uh, iTunes. You can also see Jews with Tattoos uh, on Spotify and Insta- and uh, iTunes as well. Where's your tattoo? I'm working on that. Don't worry, <laughs> that'll be another podcast. Thank you, Noam. For- Peace. Bye. Gina. Bye, Trina. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much, Noam. Welcome back to Divorce Diaries Show Podcast. I'm Michelle Trina, the creator of Divorce Diaries. And this is part two of my interview with Noam Rauscher, the one and only divorced rabbi. Guys, this is funny. This is serious. And I also may be converting to Judaism for him because he's single and there may be a chance. I am totally kidding. Find out if I'm kidding. Keep listening. Welcome back to Divorce Diaries Show Podcast. I'm Michelle Trina, the creator of Divorce Diaries, and this is part two of my interview with Noam Rauscher, the one and only divorced rabbi. Guys, this is funny. This is serious. And I also may be converting to Judaism for him because he's single and there may be a chance. I am totally kidding. Find out if I'm kidding. Keep listening.